Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Terrence Dover joins us from New Haven, Connecticut, where he is Senior Global Product Line Manager for NICE North America. Following an award-winning four-year stretch with Harman's Luxury Audio Group, Terrence joined NICE North America in August 2021, where he was tasked with updating and modernizing the company's audio portfolio, which included launching 22 products over 18 months. Today, we will learn more about Terrence's career path in the consumer audio business and music recording industry, and find out how he is working now to maintain the DNA of legacy audio designs and tech within the NICE portfolio, even as they evolve and are marketed under the NICE family name and new electronics and speakers are developed as well. Terrence Dover, welcome to the podcast. Well, you know, Jeremy, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Well, how are our things there in New Haven, Connecticut today? It's uh, two days before our post date, so we're not too far off of when that report will will be given. <laughs> well, so how are, how are things? So I always look ahead at the weather, so I can tell you what it is on you know in two days from now. But no, it's it's great. It's uh the weather is uh, is actually quite cooperative this week. It's been pretty mild, and uh, it, it it's, it'll stop raining today. So by the time the forecast happens, it'll be a nice day. Um, unfortunate enough, I live, uh, you know, on the water and uh, have access to all the uh, the uh, uh, sailing and, and aquatic life here in New Haven. So it's actually uh, quite a nice place to, to be. I, I'm happy uh, to be here. Well, that's great. What a beautiful place to be. And uh, yeah, we just had a little touch of snow yesterday, which I was not thrilled about um, in central Indiana, but we uh, we've gotten past that. And I'm hoping that's, as my dad said, first and last snow uh, of the season. So uh, um, yeah, we, we we did chat a little bit prior to this to kind of get it, um, you know, get it familiar with with things. And, and since I had never met you before, and was interested in some of your background before we spoke, but um, we didn't get into the, to the weeds too much. I do want to share uh, your interesting career path because you do have some cool high points along the way there to get to where you are today. Um, I like to always start really at the beginning. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, were you this guy that's like, someday, when, you're like eight years old, someday I'm going to be a, a, a audio manager for a, a major manufacturer. Is that Was that your dream job as, as a little kid? Or were you a music guy? Well, yeah, not exactly uh, visualizing what a product manager was. It was either a spy we were a rock star. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So, so you know, so I kind of, you know, I, I learned early I didn't want to get shot. So I was like, okay, let's try to be the rock star side of things. But, you know, no, like, I mean, seriously, like, like a lot of people in the audience space, you know, it was music that drove, uh, drove me into uh, getting interested in audio, you know, specifically, you know, when I looked at the back of a Led Zeppelin record and said produced by Jimmy Page. I didn't really know what that meant, but I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Like, like I want to do that, whatever that is, right? And so I went mm -hmm. right from high school to the Institute of Audio Research, which was basically like an audio tech school uh, where you go to Prime before you go and intern at recording studios and start recording. So I started, you know, uh, there, and then I went into recording studios, and I was recording, uh, you know, sort of different artists in a little studio out in Port Washington where I grew up. And mm -hmm. then the you know, band I was working with sent the demo to a record company. And then the record company hired me to come on board and work for them. 
And that led to a whole bunch of opportunities, including, uh, you know, sort of spearheading uh, the design build of a facility, recording and writing suites, right? Wow. And so I was able to, um, you know, hire in experts and, you know, look over their shoulder, learn what they're doing, ask a lot of questions. And that got me sort of um, my first taste of what it's like to, you know, take an empty space and build a, you know, soundproof room and, and floating floors and a room inside a room and all that stuff which, you know, became part of what I was doing sort of as it just evolved as sort of a side gig as I was building my recording engineering uh, career and producing. I was a science songwriter. Um, hmm. I was doing side gigs, helping people set up their home studios and, and, and you know, that led to like celebrities, you know, the screening rooms and things like this. And that's kind of hmm. what started to lead towards where I am now. Um, but you know, uh, it was a long road because, you know, uh, things were going good and then nine 11 hit, you know? Mm. Well, so it's interesting. I don't have a, I lived in New York for 11 years, not to brag. Um, but I had a, uh, very little experience with long Island and amazingly port Washington was the place that I went because we had an office out there for our publishing company. And we also, we wrote, we had magazines that were tied to home studio, um, um, the industry that was the home studio basically cool. so it's kind of interesting that was like a big thing there for a while with um a lot of wealthy people getting into wanting to do their own recording or you know music professionals who wanted to just do it at home right so right. create their own studio space so they don't have to go into the city to do maybe a demo or whatever it was um, yeah. at a very expensive by the hour recording studio Exactly. And, you know, with the, with, you know, remember I started, you know, cutting tape, right? So when I was with yeah. audio school, we learned how to cut tape, right? And and as I was coming out, it was quickly moving from analog to digital because you know, sure. sound tools was out, which became pro tools and so forth. So those formats were changing really as I was coming up. So, so I, I actually had the benefit of sort of having the old school training and then applying that to the new school. Sure. But, you know, at that time, you know, um, you know, I, I actually owned and operated my own studio out in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn. And so I was at okay. Brooklyn, you know, I was, you know, at Greenpoint, Brooklyn, uh, when 9-11 happened. And, uh, okay. you know, the music industry pretty much came to a grinding halt um, in New York. And, you know, it was not only, you know, what was happening with, you know, the whole 9-11 thing. But, you know, prior to that, you had, uh, you know, LimeWire and Napster mm. challenging the business model. And, you know, budgets going from $50,000 a song to $5,000 a song. And studios were just going out of business left and right. There was just nothing left. So, you know, that's kind of how I kind of had to pivot into sort of like finding some other kinds of, you know, gigs, you know. And mm. that's when I uh, used kind of leverage my studio building experience to I met an integrator who was doing broadcast studios. But he's also okay. doing high end residential and sort of like commercial R's and things like this. Right. Okay. And um, he needed somebody who could, you know, he, he was a one man show. He needed somebody who could kind of learn this stuff and kind of run with it. And um, and uh, he brought me on and, and we built the business up and, you know, it was crazy. We, we got space. We had, you know, you know, uh, a crew and, you know, we're, we're, you know, pre-wiring everything. We did everything from like Showtime Network's Red Post production, which is, you know, 13 Avid Suites and two Pro Tools rooms and all this stuff. To like some hedge fund guys, you know, Ferrari man cave, you know, like in Greenwich to like hanging Mrs. Smith's TV. It was like everything, you know. Yeah. And that was really, you know, that was really my first sort of experience into the CI channel 
as an integrator. And I was, and then I, then I sort of bring some of that into my own little side gigs, like doing, you know, I was a URC guy. So I do like, uh, you know, some, some actors and stuff would want to have a screening room with 5.1. So, you know, some musician that I had done their studio would recommend me to do that. So I go and do that stuff. And that was, um, that was, it was all going pretty good. And then of course, 2008 hit. Yeah. Those milestones are, are so depressing. You know, we <laughs> just right like the industry, um, in general, not just your career path, but I mean, we, we hit nine 11, right. As like, in the publishing industry, we were like getting kind of on a, a momentum with the industry and everything. And the same thing happened with, uh, you know, 2008, the, you know, the crash, it was just like, every time things seem like they're churning along in our industry. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, so that's when it was like, yeah, I had to pivot again. I'm like, okay, all right, what now? And I, uh, you know, I honestly, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was like, it literally came to a grinding halt. It was like, we had all these jobs and it was just like, everyone's like, yeah, no, we're going to wait on the pool house. We're going to wait on the audio system. We're going to wait on this stuff. And, um, I had a friend of mine who's, who was previously in the music business, you know, guy, he recorded, you know, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, and all these people. And he was now managing the pro audio department at a, uh, at a major, uh, retailer in New York, right. In Manhattan. Mm. And, um, he's like, He's like, you know, they, they want to do a, a in-house brands. They want to kind of make their own cables and make their own uh, accessories, audio accessories in the pro audio space. I think you're the guy for it. So I ended up getting a gig as uh, director of product development, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was a phenomenal experience because they really just, they just gave me green lights. They're just like, you know, you know the stuff more than we do, figure it out, like go. And um, I was able to bring in and build my own team. And um, it went from doing, you know, uh, sort of with you know, cables and accessories, windscreens, things like this, mic clips, mic stands, kind of basic stuff, to getting into wireless systems and microphones. And and this was at the time, I remember when DSLRs were first coming out and podcasting was just starting, or video podcasting was just happening. You know, YouTube uh, creators were just starting at that point. But the audio sucked, you know, so you'd have a, uh, you know, a Canon, you know, camera that looks like a movie film when you're shooting it and it, the audio was terrible. So I started to create solutions around that. Right. And that really took off for them. And that was kind of really when I got the bug of, of you know, creating products. Right. It's okay. like, man, you know, you know, I think everyone at some point is like, man, why doesn't somebody just make this, you know, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, I can make that, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's really interesting to, you know, I, I think a lot of guys who have been in the integration side, um, and obviously your, your building of, um, recording studios is pretty unique, but guys that come from the integration side, they go work for a manufacturer. A lot of times it's in a sales role rather than a product development or really hands-on, you know, building stuff Mm -hmm. kind of role. Um, and, and that's overgeneralizing. I'm, there's a lot of people doing both, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. that's, that's really interesting to hit that point when you like are creating products, right? Yeah. Well, it's really rewarding to see them come out. And also when you see them succeed and then, then people are buying them and you're getting good reviews and good feedback. And it's also learning like, that process, you know, uh, would enable me to kind of really understand how to tell the story of the product, how to you know call out the features, how to make the packaging part of the sales tool so that, you know, it, it, it's showing And this is retail, right? So this is not yeah. CI. So this stuff's hanging on the shelf, but you want to be able to, somebody can look at it, read it, know what it is and know what benefits are and all that stuff. 
And, you know, and, and, and so I also did, I did headphones there. Right. And so, mm. so I did, a, I did some headphones that were, you know, broadcast headphones competing with Sony basically. And, um, and, uh, that got me the next gig, which was to go out and work as, uh, in, in the Bay area for, uh, as a global product line manager, uh, for, or actually, I guess they called it, uh, uh, Pam there as a product area manager for, uh, monster. So I reported directly to the notorious, uh, Mr. Noel Lee, <laughs> the head monster. I, I was, you know, I, I saw that on your on your resume, and I and I thought, do I dare bring the name up? Yeah. Well, you know, look, all the stories are true. I mean, he, he, the, the reality is, is that I looked at it, and you know, it was a crazy experience. Um, but it, so just like so, the first day on the job, I get pulled aside by a guy who has the same same role as I, but he was doing like I think cables, and I was doing uh, uh, headphones, which was really close to Noel's art, right? Because he yeah. he'd done Beats by Dr. Dre, so like headphones, he was obsessed with, which meant I was going to be spending a lot of time directly with him, which most people <laughs> try to avoid, right? And this guy <laughs> says, he says, I, I heard that um, I heard that you're like moving out here and you're bringing your family and everything out here and everything like this, oh, you no. know. He's like, um, you might want to wait like six months and see how it goes. Because most people oh. don't last three weeks, you know. Wow. And I was That's... like, you know what, dude? I don't tip my toes in the water. I jump right in, you know. <laughs> no. I mean, literally, the day I started, 250 people were laid off. So I come, I come in, and there's people walking out crying with their desks in a box, you know. Oh it was God. insane. And that, that would just be kind of like the method to his madness. But I, I, learned, I learned a lot from the guy. He's also somebody who who is, you know, visionary in a lot of ways and, you know, created categories in, in, in this business that you can't ignore and, um, you know, made a ton of money doing it. So, you know, it, yeah, it's not by accident, you know. So, let me let me interrupt just real quick. A quick Noli story, because, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was legendary for pursuing like the mini golf, the monster mini golf company, you know, nope. like mom right. and pop. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know you have to pr protect your brand and all that stuff. I get it, but it it, it really was kind of like a road too far or whatever. Um, but there was a moment when he, I was still like important to him, and he would reach out to me. It was when he was doing his multi-channel music, um, little yep dalliance, uh, yep. creating discs. Yep, and he recorded um, like he. It was really interesting. Like he ended up doing like the uh, the Snoopy theme music stuff yeah. mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. he's really into that and that was well, kind of cool but then he did something with george benson which yeah. was just obscure i don't know why he chose george but yeah. he knew him i guess and yeah, you know my man george uh, you know, he would show up to every all the time you know he was one of okay. those guys you know he was a monster cable guy you know okay so like that's you know, what yeah. yeah i mean he he calls me and tells me he's doing this multi-channel music. I want to get you some discs so you can listen to it and all that. And hey, you want to talk to George? I'll get to, I'll get George on the on the line. I'm like, uh, <laughs> sure. Any chance to talk to a legend like George? <laughs> George Benson. That's great. And so I talked. Had a very awkward conversation. I was working in Midtown Manhattan at the time, so I, I said, you know, something stupid about how I was working on Broadway, and you know. He got a he got a kick out of my clumsy attempt at humor, sure. but um, yeah. So 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 yeah. There there are moments with, with him, but I also saw him just berating employees when things didn't work in a press conference, you know, and it just was oh, yeah. so yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, no, I had to do. I had to sit in for him at CES because he couldn't make it. He was in the hospital, 
So he had me do his part on the stage at CES. But during the rehearsal, he's got, you know, one of the guys holding the camera up and I could just hear him barking from the phone. And I'm like nervous wreck on the stage. There's going to be 200 press people coming in in 15 minutes. I'm trying to run through this trick of PowerPoint, you know, but, you know, somehow I got through it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I, I was able to keep the job for three and a half years because I was the only guy who had the balls to challenge him, you know, <laughs> and, and and he liked that. Like he, he, he mm. you know, he would steamroll over everybody. But if you're like, you know, told him that he was full of it, then suddenly he would just laugh, you know, like, <laughs> like great guy in some ways. You know, you know, very harsh guy in other ways. It, just kind of like a multi, multiple personalities there. But, you know, at some point I just had to get out. It was like too yeah. much, you know. My wife's like, you've aged 10 years and that's three years, right? You know. Wow. But, but you worked on headphones there, which is like kind of a, a big moment for you. Because was that the first time you were working? No, you worked on the professional line before you got there. That kind of probably right. gave yeah. you the credibility for, for working with for, right. For and, and so, so I did the headphones. So there, I mean, the funny thing is, is like the headphones that I made was the Clarity HD line, which is actually the only line that Monster still sells. Right. Mm. And and it was not the luxury headphone. It was actually a price point that made sense and a really good product at that price point. Right. Which mm -hmm. I had to argue my way into getting uh, done and actually only got it done because he was out of the loop for a while in the hospital. Right. But the thing out, you know, it's been mm -hmm. you know pretty successful. Right. But I had to get out. And that's when I got the opportunity, uh, like really great opportunity to join Harvard Luxury, right? And so yeah. back to the East Coast, where my family's from, where I'm from, uh, to Connecticut to work in the Shelton. At the time, it was called the Shelton Center of Engineering Excellence, which is basically where the Levinson team was set up, the Mark Levinson mm -hmm. team. For those who don't know Mark Levinson, you know, real high-end electronics. And I was tasked with uh, creating the 5000 series, which is basically... The Levinson products before that were, you know, twenty thousand dollars and up per piece. So preamps twenty grand, the amplifier twenty grand, you know, the turntable sixteen grand, that kind of thing. To try to do something that's kind of half that price point, so we can get, you know, affluent but not that affluent of people that are willing to pay, you know, ten thousand dollars for a preamp and ten thousand dollars for an amplifier, but still have the Levinson quality, which is, you know, it's harder than you think. But we were able to do it, and and um, and the five thousand series did really well. Uh, won a lot of rewards. Uh, you know, I worked really closely with the engineering team. Worked closely with the design team, um, which I generally do. I like to be very involved with the physical look and feel of the product. I think it's really important. And um, and I was named as a as a designer by the design team, and and we won three red dots on that uh, on that uh, series. So, uh, yeah, tell tell people what the red dot award is and why it means so much to you. So the Red Dot Award is a, um, it's really, it's a really an award for product uh, designers, like industrial design, the way the product looks and feels more than it is about the sort of the functionality or how good it sounds or something like that. Um, although it's all kind of the function of it and the end user experience is part of it, but it's really, it's the designers who really win the award. And, um, you know, I was working very closely with these guys, really, you know, working together to define the way the 5,000 looks, taking sort of elements of what previous Levinson legacy products had and, and put them together. And, um, and then we, yeah, we submit them for the awards and, you know, so I won on the, um, the, one of the amplifiers, which has like a certain look of the amplifiers, uh, the, the headphones I did, which was the, the, the 5909 headphones, uh, one, and, and then we won the only, uh, best of the best Harmon's ever won is the turntable, which was, uh, uh, we won the, the best of the best, the red dot all in 2021. So that was pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, that's and, great. And, and it's like, you know, again, it, it, it's a testimony to that, you know, even even in, uh, you know, even in speakers that go in the ceiling, for example, you know, there is a certain thing, you know, about how the thing looks. You know, somebody sees it before they put it in the ceiling, or at least they integrated us. I, I think things should look cool. I like when you pop the hood of a car and it looks cool in the engine. Like most people don't see the engine, but it still should look cool, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's just kind of like it's. It, I think it communicates, um, sort of that 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 if it looks this cool, there's clearly a, a, attention to detail. Somebody's paying attention right. and they care about this product enough to make it look good. You know, then probably it sounds pretty good too. You know, I don't know. Well, and and, and also you've got two customers. You got the end user customer, but you've also got the custom integrator customer who's doing the specification installation design and so if they feel proud of selling the product and it, it feels good for them putting it in installing it and all that that makes sense that it would look you know it would be worth the effort and, and expense and time yeah. to make it look good for them too um so yeah i, I get that why that would be important um, yeah i mean especially the, the, the other thing so it wasn't just levinson at uh at uh, Harmon. it was also uh the the the, the you were talking about multi-channel Audio and, and and actually I worked on one of those CDs. It was done, but it was done in um in a it, it was an Atmos. It was done in a in a Oro 3D. But um, oh yeah, but uh, so I also had the uh, JBL Synthesis uh, uh, multi-channel you know AVR. So the immersive audio AVR series that came out, um, which was really cool to work. Um, uh, Harmon had acquired Arcam, so I got to work with the Arcam engineers in Cambridge, which was you know, phenomenal learning experience as well. And, um, and there I, you know, again, it was like, well, what can we do this different? How can we innovate and so forth? And, and, and so that JBL synthesis AVR was the first, and this is something that I brought into the thing was putting Dante in there. Cause you know, having experience in pro, I knew about Dante and I'm like, why don't we just have Dante instead of like, you know, having 16 channels of analog cables coming out of this thing into an amplifier, you know, let's make a Dante amp and a Dante AVR you know, or at least have it as an option or whatever. And so, so we ended up putting Dante on that AVR people, people at, at, at CD were like, what's that there for? They didn't even get it, you know? Right. Um, but now you look at CD and you see Dante or, or some sort of distributed, you know, audio over uh, IP all over the place, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So, so it's kind of rewarding because you put those things in there and, you know, sometimes you got to test it and it may or may not work, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it, that was one of the big, you know, threads throughout CDA last year, for sure. It was was um, AV over IP or media over IP, whatever you oh. want to call it. So um, you definitely were ahead of the curve on that. And it's just yeah. a matter of catching up. Yeah, uh, it was um, 2021. We put that out. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a couple of years, you, suddenly it's just yeah. it's the thing. Um, so um, what excited you about joining um nice and i'm was it nice when you got hired or was it still kind of in a transitionary um the branding sort of situation there i guess the the parent company was still was nice um when you so when i joined so so i mean essentially you know once i wrapped up the 5000 series and i did the headphones which are amazing headphones, i'm like you know what my work is done here like you know <laughs> what's next you know and and the opportunity presented itself um to join at the time it was actually nortec um Nortech. and, and um, you know, they really wanted somebody and they hadn't had somebody in the role to really um, uh, revamp their portfolio. You described it great in the intro in terms of what my task is, is to really, you know, uh, 
modernize the portfolio, but also they had, you know, they were kind of a house of brands. They had all these brands and they're trying to figure out how to manage all those brands because they had Niles and, and, and you know, Zantac and all these other brands. You mentioned Speakergraph, obviously, uh, as well. But, you know, it, it, it was kind of they were already starting to kind of, um, you know, move from all those brands to less brands. And about three months in, um, Nice acquired Nortec. So, uh, you know, I could just stay focused and that's how I got, you know, uh, you know, actually tw- 24 products out in 24 months, you know, because okay. <laughs> nobody was paying attention. <laughs> no, but the, the reality is, is that the opportunity was there to really help define what um, nice audio is going to be or what it would be. The opportunity was there to take advantage of the fact that now we have this new brand and we're going to be unifying these brands under one roof that we can, you know, Build on the legacy that you know, Speakercraft and and Niles and the other brands that we, we we've had over the years. The technology, the patents, the innovations are all part of what is in the DNA of what is now Nice Audio. Right? Uh, yeah. We not only inherited that technology and, and and everything that the brands had, but we also inherited all the active products that were still <laughs> you know uh, you know out there and that are being installed every day. Right? So we actually do have a full, complete, you know, uh, line of audio products uh, to begin with before I even came, right? It's just now unified under NICE. And so architectural speakers, indoor uh, and outdoor speakers, uh, you know, uh, rock speakers, landscape speakers, all that stuff is already there. Um, And then, of course, with um, the control side of things, which was, you know, Elon, which is now NICE Home Management, there's electronics and sophisticated electronics and amplifiers and, and, you know, Dante enabled electronics and DSP apps and all that stuff. So there's, there's, there's actually a pretty broad range of, of audio solutions already. Um, but you know, my job was to sort of look at that and, and then move us into the future, uh, you know, rounding out the portfolio and modernizing the portfolio, updating it, you know, shedding what's uh, old, bringing in what's new. And how, how do you feel about the progress so far? Do you feel like you've got the solutions that are needed for a complete uh, offering for the home? You know, there's always a, it's always a process and, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's in development all the time, I'm sure. There's always right. something new that you need to strive for. You can't just stay static. So right. um, how do you feel like the current, like the original goals of bringing everything together have, have gone so far? Yeah, I mean, so you're absolutely right. It's a process, right? You you can't just come in and snap your fingers and magically, you know, all these new products appear. There's there's a there's a process. There's there's resources. There's development time, and and also um, taking advantage of the cutting edge technology. Make sure that when you do come out, you got to think a couple of years ahead of where the market is all the time, right? Mm. You know, I can't, you know, you know, chase trends. I, I need to create trends, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, when I looked at like one of the sort of most sort of gleaming uh, voids of what we didn't have in the portfolio, I'd said we have full range of architectural speakers, good, better, bass, and all, you know, indoor, outdoor, all this stuff. But we didn't have a solution for small aperture speakers. Right. And, you know, the landscape had changed where, um, you know, uh, interior designers and architects and, you know, were putting in, you know, the, the lighting solutions were smaller. They weren't six inch mm-hmm. cans anymore. They were, you know, uh, they, they were smaller uh, hole sizes with, uh, you know, five and a quarter inch bezels um, and, or even smaller. And, um, you know, uh, our competitors already had solutions for that where, you know, you put the thing in and it looks like it's the same size as the lights. It gives them some symmetry to the whole look of, of your kitchen or great room or whatever it is, right? And yeah. so that was one that was kind of urgent and, and, and our dealers had been asking for. So I wanted to do that um, right off the bat. 
um, so that we would have that solution. And along with that, you know, it's the small aperture speaker, but then of course you want to have a subwoofer that goes along with that. So you can really, uh, you know, the bottom line is you're moving air, right? So there's physics involved, you know, there's only so much you're going to do with a three and a half inch speaker or some of our yeah. inventors are even smaller. They're, you know, they're two inch, you know, woofers, you know, it's, yeah. you know, you're not going to move a lot of air. Right. Um, and then of course, um, I also wanted to, um, fill in the gap of where, you know, the, the sort of what was offered outside of a lawn in electronics, uh, in terms of, uh, application, um, something that was going to fill the void where, um, some, 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 you know, not every job is as sophisticated as what we do in the, uh, in the complete home management. Some jobs are just kind of, you know, simple. They're one off, mm -hmm. they're a couple of zones or whatever. And I want to have something. And, and of course, you know, when I was doing this, when, when I joined in, uh, 2001, you know, everybody was saying that they can't find, uh, you know, uh, installers that, you know, are knowledgeable or have the skill set. They got to train them up or, or they're short on staff or whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, sending out somebody to sniff out an IP and, and, and do a 10 band parametric EQ and stuff. It's like above their head. Right. So right. I wanted to create an amplifier that allowed you to get sort of the solution for, you know, 85% of the gigs in a really kind of go-to box. And, yeah. um, and that's, those are the three products that I launched at CD up. Um, well, those are, those are the three brand new MPI ground up, uh, developments. And then I also did, uh, a, a update, uh, to our, uh, our aim, uh, series, which is called aim, uh, Mark three. So I updated that, um, you know, the series. Right, right. Well, that's cool too with the aim. You know, that's a uh, part of the legacy name, name nomenclature, and so you're able to keep that, but make it nice as opposed to speakercraft, um, because that was that was a big launch for them back in the day. Um, and in terms of uh, the problem solver on the amplification, that just is a really good sort of insight into what part of your job is, and that's to create solutions to challenges in the in the channel. You know, and Right. can't find enough qualified people let's let's simplify what it takes to get audio into the space so let's make and, it and it was it goes back to what i was saying before it's like it's like you know i kind of like when i was doing it when i was in the field i always wished i had like why doesn't somebody make this you know and then it's like, yeah oh, i'm gonna make it you know and, and i'll tell you what i mean what, what, what the amp is it's the sc4 for this is the sc4 100 right so it's a four channel amp up to 100 watts per channel right bridgeable by pairs, so you can double that power to you know 200 watts and make it a stereo thing, or you can make it a three-channel amp, right? So you can use it for LCR. You can use okay. it. It's really designed for SAT sub scenario. Because mm -hmm. what's really kind of different about this amp compared to a, like a normal dumb amp, right? And and this is what I'm saying is that you know typically if you want to be able to say have a SAT sub system where you're filtering, you know you're putting a high pass filter on the satellites and uh, letting the sub take the low frequencies, you need a DSP amp in most cases, right? So I actually yeah. put analog filters on every channel. So there's two analog high-pass filters per channel. So you can put, flip it one way. So you tell your installer, you go out there, you flip it to the right for the sats, you flip it to the left for the subs, right? Mm. And then it kind of keeps it simple. So it's a hundred Hertz rolls off. That's for your sats, right? Most of your, your small aperture speakers or even your six inch speakers and stuff. If you can take away some of that uh, demand on the lower end, if you have a sub already, they're going to mm -hmm. sound crisper, cleaner, you know, punchier in the mids. Um, and then on the sub, it actually is a high pass filter, 20 Hertz. Right. And a lot of people ask like, 
what, don't you want a low pass filter on the sub? You know, no, you want a high pass filter because what you don't want to do is send the subwoofer. I mean, particularly in distributed audio, we're not talking about, you know, uh, live sound at a concert, you know, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, throughout your house for the most part, um, you want to roll off or take out the energy uh, at below 20 hertz to, for the most part, because you don't want to have the sub trying to reproduce five and 10 hertz and it's working hard and that motor's working hard to do that when you really can't hear it anyway, right? And okay. so why, why not make it crispy, clean, and, and and make very nice, smooth, you know, deep bass, you know, where you can actually hear it. And and mm-hmm. particularly, again, when you're talking about, you know, distributed audio, there's, there's no need for that, you know? Right. Today's episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by NICE, the global manufacturer of smart home security and building automation solutions. NICE is bringing together 30 years of innovation with award-winning products to create a holistic ecosystem for builders, integrators, and consumers. Learn more about how you can create one home with one solution at go.niceforyou.com backslash RTT. I know you can't really like tell us too much about what's in the works because you've got, you know, competitive issues and all that. But um, as you assess the landscape ahead what are some of the um the trends you see in the industry that kind of affect what your thoughts are you know if i can keep keep it kind of vague and (laughs) elusive like that um what are you looking at ahead that are some of the things you need to sort of incorporate into into plans yeah, I mean, and I can speak to this uh, at a high level because, I mean, it, it's, you know, uh, you know, again, you know, it, part of my job is understanding what's going on in the market and, and where there's opportunities. Some of those things I'm going to pursue and act on. Some of those things, um, may, maybe it's like, you know what, that's not our space. Let somebody else take that, you know. Um, you got to pick and choose your battles, right? And yeah. you want to focus on where you can really um, s- succeed and actually have impact and, you know, and, 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 and you know, gain and protect market share, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in terms of trends, I think, you know, I think that, you know, I, I'm very excited about 2024. I think that overall at a high level, I think we'll see some easing in the um, headwinds that we've seen in 23. I think that we'll start to see some of the mid-market come back in, into play, which, uh, you know, a lot of that kind of, you know, people were holding off. And I think you're going to start to see some of those people come back to the uh, playing field. I think that, you know, some of the trends that I've seen at CDL, for example, is really raising the bar in, in outdoor audio. You see what mm-hmm. you know, Coastal Source was doing. And, you know, I think you're going to see others kind of chase that trend and, and you're going to see um, more sort of choices in, in uh, outdoor uh, audio uh, at a higher level, um, at a higher price point as well. Um, I think that you'll continue to see distributed um, audio and video over IP uh products and offerings um you'll see more and more with the with the wider bandwidth of you know as again when they whatever they roll out cat eight and, and so forth and so on there's going to be more uh stuff you can carry and and i think that uh, you'll see more um you know uh, you know that immersive audio and that kind of stuff carried over those um you know uh, the, you know rj45s right um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I mean, for me, it's, you know, I, I like to look and understand what's going on and some areas you need to be because it's table stakes and other areas you want to kind of innovate and um, 
And so really like I, I want to try to, you know, sort of create some trends rather than chase the trends, if you will. But, um, you know, I'm really laser focused on uh, creating uh, audio solutions um, that are really part of the ecosystem of what NICE is bringing as whole, um, which is essentially, you know, creating a, uh, you know, a world without boundaries, right? And, and, and mm. just really simplifying our, you know, daily, everyday movements and experiences, right? And so whether that's indoor or outdoor, whether it's, you know, uh, media rooms or, you know, your, your, your uh, kitchen, you know, how you're experiencing your life includes audio, right? And I think that there's a lot of use cases that people just think about sort of music being that. Um, and I think that there's use cases that expand, you know, beyond music um, that um, audio is still uh, very relevant to, you know. Um, and you know, obviously there's a lot of media consumption, but um, as well. And I think in just uh, in terms of environments and things like this. Um, so I think it's going to be really cool. I will predict, though, that the because um, I think you said something about what do you think is coming up? Or maybe that's is that the next question? <laughs> no, I, I go ahead. Go ahead and finish that if you want. OK, well, no, I, I, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, something about, uh, you know, basically it's like I predict that, you know, look at. At Cedia 2023, we introduced, uh, you know, a few new SKUs under Nice Audio. It was really about inter introducing that whole ecosystem. Yeah. In 2024, you're going to really see what the uh, what designed in Italy and engineered in the U.S. looks like and sounds like. Okay. okay? Nice. Very that's, cool. But that's, that's as much as I can hit. No, no, that's great. And I did have one last little curveball for you, which I didn't okay. think to give you a heads up on. but. Okay. Uh-huh. Because you are a music guy, we, I know we talked about more than just music in these systems, but what do you like to listen to to relax? And well, is it the same music that you like to listen to as your demo music when you're developing new products? Yeah, um, so no would be the answer. You know, uh, you know, I have a pretty long list of, of demo music and I'm always listening to, you know, new music um, and picking stuff that I just think is well recorded and sounds good or stuff that's actually challenging. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff that I have, you know, I might not play that, but when I'm testing and listening, I have stuff that, you know, maybe isn't recorded very well. It doesn't sound very good, but people are going to be mm -hmm. listening to it. And I want to make yeah. sure it's not breaking up my system or, you know, some weird things happening. So it's got to pass that whole test. You know, you can't, can't just play Steely Dan, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about Steely Dan. It's yeah. like the cliche you know, yeah. demo for, for my whole career. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and and so, you know, so but when I listen to Relax, I mean, you know, I've got my system. I got distributed audio throughout the house um, and I've got it you know, hooked up to Alexa, but Alexa plays my Spotify account. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, um, I'm pretty much putting on everything like from chill out, you know, shoe store music to, to um, you know, uh, piano dinner jazz, you know, when I'm like lighting the fire and having, you know, cooking dinner for my wife. But then I'll also rock out to Zeppelin and, and, and you know, classic rock stuff and, you know, and then mo I like, you know, modern rock and stuff like that, you know, the, you know, the fray and bands like that. I, you know, I have a, yep. I like a lot of sort of, and I like, like some of the modern country stuff too, you know, uh, you know, something in the orange is an amazing song. Like the, 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 there's, there's so much good stuff out there. And Taylor Swift's one of my favorite artists of all time. Me too. She's amazing. Yeah, you know, she is. And, and, uh, you know, you know, but I might listen to, um, uh, uh, What's his name? He recorded the entire 1989 uh, album. Uh, 
I know Ryan who you're Adam. talking. You're Ryan yeah, Adam. Ryan Adams. Adams yes, does, yes. He like he liked Chazelle so the whole so much he record, recorded her her entire album from beginning to end, you know, with his own thing. But you know, you listen to the songs. It's kind of like when I heard Tony uh, uh to, what was it Tony Amos do uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Exactly. I never understood yep. the words. I know. Me too. That was amazing. <laughs> that was a- I appreciate. it. <laughs> I appreciate that song so much more after she did it, even though they make. Oh, you too. I'm like, wow, this it's is actually pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, totally. I mean, it's Al Yankovic's version, but not Nirvana's. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Terrence, this has been great. I, I really enjoyed getting to know you, and yeah. uh, and hopefully, are you? Uh, do you actually then attend? Yeah, you sound like you did attend CDA, so you'll be yeah, at. Yeah, uh, I'll, yeah I, I'm CD. I'll be at CDA this year for sure. Um, it'll be okay. a big show for me this year. So um, great, bigger than it was for me last year. Okay, well, we'll we'll connect in person there, if not before some other place. But uh, right. thanks, thanks for taking the time and giving us such a great retrospective on your career and like look ahead on stuff. So yeah, man, really- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know. Terrence Dover is Senior Global Product Line Manager for Nice North America. You can learn more about his company at go.niceforyou.com. And that wraps up today's show, which was produced by Residential Tech Today, IPW, and Pretty Easy Podcasts. Please check out prettyeasypodcast.com if you want professional and affordable production help on your own podcast. And if you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you watched or listened to this episode. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at our magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Thursday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.